So for the last several weeks, we have been talking about brave faith and what it means to have faith that is filled with courage. Our series, I'm sure you've heard, is based on a book, Courage, Jesus and the Call to Brave Faith, by our new bishop of the Florida Conference, Bishop Tom Berlin. And I want to share with you uh, a small plug that in two weeks, on October 15th, Bishop Berlin is going to be here and with us and sharing the final sermon of this series with us at all three services. And then following this service, there will be a reception where we can get to know him a little bit better. So mark the calendars for October 15th and join us again so we can hear a wonderful um, address and sermon from Bishop Berlin. In this series, we've identified different characteristics of courage that are evident both in the life of Christ and in the lives of those who would be considered faithful. We've talked about clarity and conviction and candor. And today, we're going to break away from that beautiful alliteration and look to hope. What does hope have to do with courage. To help us understand the relationship between hope and courage, we turn to the Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter, specifically at an interaction between Jesus and a woman who boldly takes matters into her own hands. Read along with me. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his clothes. And immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Jesus said to her, daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. My friends, this is the word of God given to each of us as the children of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit. Come once again into this place and open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts so that we might hear clearly all that you wish to say to us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Two verses, a total of 46 words. That is all that our narrator tells us 
about this woman's unfathomable courage. Over in just a few short breaths, the biblical narrative thrusts us forward into how Jesus and the disciples respond to this dramatic scene unfolding before them. And yet, this woman's experience was of such importance that it is included in both Luke and Mark's gospel accounts. What's more is that both writers recalled this scene almost identically, leading us to believe that this was indeed a profound moment, one that remained crystal clear and in the forefront of the writers' minds. This woman's bravery begs us to return to her story told in these verses. Short as they may be, they tell us everything that we need to know about who she is and what led her to her courageous reach. So this morning, I invite us all to linger, to spend a few extra moments imagining what it might have been like to walk around in her sandals. Because we know that even though the black and white words of scripture only give us so much, there is a whole backstory that is also a part of this woman's experience. So we are invited to imagine what that might have been like. And so we imagine ourselves in a small, dank shack, not too far from the Sea of Galilee. She was a small and frail woman. After years of illness and scrounging and just to simply take care of herself the very best that she could. We aren't told her name, but I'd like to give her one anyone, anyway. Maybe her name was Abigail. We know that for 12 long years, Abigail had been bleeding without relief. She visited doctor after doctor, researched everything from conventional to unconventional treatments and medications. Abigail had very little money to her name because she wasn't able to work, not only from her physical condition, but also nobody would give her the time of day or offer her an opportunity. So she spent every last penny that she had saved searching for that miracle, that glimmer of hope, and she still had no answers. Her friends and her family have long since written her off because no one wanted to be considered unclean simply by association. This was what life was like being a woman with an illness in these times. Year after year, day after day, her hope that one day the pain would end, her motivation for searching for healing, maybe even her will to keep on living dwindled down to nothing. 
And then she heard the pounding of footsteps rushing by, her little shack pounding on the pavement toward the water. The teacher is coming, the boy exclaimed excitedly. So she lifted herself slowly up off her mattress, left her hut, and followed this stampede toward the shoreline. She'd heard of the miracles, of course, of how Jesus could calm storms and cast out demons. So maybe, just maybe, he could heal her too. Standing in the back of the crowd, far off to the side where no one could see her or touch her, she raged a war between her heart and her mind. Maybe if I just get close enough, that would do the trick. Or maybe if I just touch his clothes. A spark of strength, a glimpse of life beyond illness surged within Abigail out of nowhere and she went forward, battling the crowd, squeezing and wiggling her way through. Taking an elbow to the stomach, probably, she fell to her knees just as Jesus moved right past her. With her last strength, She extends her hand and brushes the hem of Jesus' robe. Instantly, instantly, the bleeding stops. Friends, look at her face, the way the artist has captured this moment. What emotions do you see there? Is it determination? Is it desperation? This is not the image of a woman who has given up. This is a woman filled with something. Something that sent her surging forward, reaching boldly to the promise of healing. This is not a woman beaten to nothing by the world around her, not wanted by the world, but a woman filled with courageous hope. In 1880, do you know what two of your hard-earned dollars would have purchased you? Just two. A year-long subscription to the Southwestern Christian Advocate, a newspaper that circulated through Texas and Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. It was distributed by nearly 500 preachers, 800 post offices, and had more than 4,000 subscribers. Friends, in today's world, I would pay two dollars for just about anything and everything would you not i'd sign up for everything but this newspaper was different than some of the others in circulation 
you wouldn't only see advertisements for the latest refreshing drink on the market, Coca-Cola, or this newfangled uh, clothes washing machine that you had to crank with your hand. Alongside advertisements like this, you would also find notices that looked like this. Mr. Editor, I would like to inquire after my people. We belonged to Mr. Cawthorn in Richmond, Virginia. My mother's name was Dinah. My brothers were named Robert, John, Henry, and William. I was sold to a speculator by the name of Erkson. Will you please make an inquiry for me through your newspaper? My name is Mrs. Susan Biggs. Dear editor, I wish to find my son, Isaac Payton, that separated from me in the time of war. Dear editor, I desire to inquire for my wife. More than 2,000 500 advertisements like these were printed from November 1879 through December 1900. Each one written by black Americans trying to find their family and friends who had been lost in slavery and war. Each of these advertisements had to have been written with a swirl of emotion bringing to the forefront painful memories of brutality and cruelty and trauma, alongside memories of love and togetherness, both held together by something else, something stronger, hope. The hope is so palpable in these words and this simple plea, I inquire to find my relations, my family. This is not a hope half uttered, half heartedly in the midst of darkness. It is a hope that propels forward into the light. Courage is hope in action. It's an outstretched arm and a poised pen ready to write. It's a phone call made after years of silence. It's one more round of chemo. It's willing to try something new, something different even after a colossal failure. It's being willing to take a step up in faith and stand against injustice and oppression in all of its forms. Hope 
is what fuels the biggest moments of courage. It emboldens us to do everything in our power to bring about the outcome we are going toward. Even when we don't think it's possible to even get there. Bishop Berlin says it this way. Courage needs hope to serve coffee in the late afternoon when the work is not done, but we feel that quitting time has come. Hear this again. Courage needs hope to serve coffee in the late afternoon when the work is not yet done, but we feel like quitting time has already come. Y'all, as an avid coffee drinker, feel like I need to tell you something about coffee. It doesn't just magically show up. I wish it did. Believe me, I wish it worked like the rock that Moses struck in the book of Exodus where the water freely flowed, thanks be to God. I wish coffee works that way, but it doesn't. No, someone has to take the time to brew it or fill the Keurig with water in a K-cup or froth the milk for that perfect latte. Coffee has to take time to percolate, to brew. And so does hope. In writing to the church in Rome, Paul describes hope as something that is cultivated over time through lots of different lived experiences, but especially experiences of suffering and of difficulty. Hear these words from Romans chapter 5. And not only that, Paul writes, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is not a stagnant hope. It is a hope that is percolated by none other than God's love outpoured in every stage of our lives. This hope is literally poured out of God's own heart into our own through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. The hope that fuels our acts of courage is not a hope that rests on what we can do by our own power. But it is a hope that looks back on all of the ways that God has been with us over time. All of the things that God has done in our lives and in the lives of others around us. It rests on a God that is with us on what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ, who willingly chose to dwell among us, who chose to suffer, to endure, who showed us what it looks like to truly have character because he lived our life 
alongside us. Christ suffered brutally at the cross so that each of us might have the hope that fuels a bold and courageous, wildly courageous lives that know no bounds. Because of Christ, our hope is a foundation for our courage to fall back on. By the power of the Holy Spirit, hope assures us of God's presence alongside us as we suffer, as we endure, and as we move forward in a way that builds up our own character to look more and more like the character of Christ. It allows us to reach for the unthinkable. As we drain the last drop of our own strength, taking a shaky step forward to whatever and wherever it is that Christ is calling us, leading us, guiding us right here and right now. I believe that's why the painter of the woman we've named Abigail added an extra little detail hanging from her neck. Did you notice it? Take another look. There is a cross beaming from her neck. An obvious addition to this story, because the cross hasn't quite gotten its full meaning quite yet, because Jesus is still alive and present in this moment. But we know what that means. It points us to the very essence of hope that is expressed on her face. She had heard the stories of Jesus and hoped not in her own strength, but in what she knew about who Jesus was and what he could do. She hoped in the power that she believed he held. She could courageously reach because of the very person she was reaching for. Friends, may all of our courageous reaches meet to the hope that can only be found at the very feet of Jesus. As we close together in prayer, I'm going to pray a blessing of hope from our friend Jan Richardson. I invite you to rest in the words that she pens and allow them to fill your own hearts this morning. Will you pray with me? So may we know the hope that is not just for some day, but for this day. Here, now, in this moment that opens to us. Hope not made of which wishes, but of substance. Hope made of sinew and muscle and bone. Hope that has breath and a beating heart. 
Hope that will not keep quiet and be polite. Hope that knows how to holler when it's called for. Hope that knows how to sing when there seems little cause. Hope that raises us from the dead. Not someday, but this day, every day, again and again and again. Thanks be to God. Amen.